0: for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for your word this morning. We ask now that you would refresh us, that you would recenter us on the person and mission of Jesus. We ask that you would refine our thinking around Jesus. We ask this morning, O Lord, that each of us would encounter Jesus Through your living word. In Jesus' name, Amen. What's the purpose of a sign? Pretty basic. Get you to your destination, tell you to do something. And if you miss the sign, oftentimes you're going to miss the destination. I've spent a couple of summers going to Bible camp up here in northern South Dakota, kind of in the Aberdeen area by Lake Pickerel there. And uh, it's a pretty small Bible camp, so they're not going to give you any signage on the interstate, obviously. A couple of years ago, we were at Bible camp, and one of our youth leaders was going to come up later in the evening. And he had driven there many times before, and he was coming along and he just was not arriving. Still not arriving. Campfire comes and goes, still not there well 4 hours later he arrives this is a decently smart guy who most of you know i won't use his name this morning thing he he arrives um, he shows up and I'm, I'm asking him well where have you been thing well we were in north dakota <laughs> well how did you get to north dakota thing well we were looking for the summit sign and we didn't see the summit sign, and they just kept on driving until they saw the summit sign. You see, they didn't know the numbers, exit 207. They just knew it, get off at the summit exit. What happened is they missed the sign, therefore, they missed the destination. And they didn't realize it until what? Welcome to North Dakota. (laughs) I'm sure this morning that you have a missed sign story as well. And after the missed sign, what usually happens? Honey, let's ask for directions. (laughs) No, I'm sure the sign's up ahead somewhere. When you miss the sign, you miss the destination. And this morning, all of us are on a path to something or to somewhere. We're going somewhere or we're wanting to get somewhere or wanting to arrive at some destination in life. Well, what is the desired destination according to Jesus? According to Jesus, the desired destination is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is basically where Jesus reigns as king. And so when Jesus comes on the scene in his ministry, it tells us in different ways that Jesus went about proclaiming the kingdom of God. He said a couple of different times, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, He is there. He is about to exercise His power, His authority. And then He tells us in Luke chapter 12 and also Matthew chapter 6, He says, Seek first the kingdom of God. The desired destination for you and I is to live in the kingdom of God. We pray at what? In the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. We're not saying, hey, God, uh, keep your kingdom for us so that we can join you someday. We're praying for God's kingdom to come right now in our midst. That's the desired destination, is to be in the kingdom of God. Well, how do we arrive at the kingdom of God? To arrive at the kingdom of God, we cannot miss the sign. We cannot miss the one who has the authority and the power to bring us to the kingdom of God. We need the forgiveness of sins to enter into this kingdom. And so as we look at the preaching that goes on in the book of Acts, and as we look at the message that Jesus says to proclaim, the message is a message of forgiveness. Go and tell them they're forgiven in my name. Why? Because forgiveness brings entrance to the kingdom of God. This morning, we're looking at a story of Jesus that's probably famous to... Famous to all of us. We probably all know it from our vacation Bible school days. But this story is actually a sign. and We have to be careful this morning that we do not get obsessed with the story and miss the sign. And if we miss the sign, we're going to miss the destination. This story is a sign this morning of Jesus' authority and power. If you look with me here in Luke chapter 5, down at verse 17 through 26 what we have happening here is that Jesus is is gaining popularity. The message about Jesus is going out. Why? Look back up with me if you would here in Luke chapter 5 verse 12. Why is it going out? Because people with leprosy were coming to Jesus and then what does he do? Verse 13, be clean. So Jesus has been healing people with leprosy. Now leprosy, is it's kind of a generic term that points us to people with skin disease. And it wasn't just a skin disease, it was actually a disease that separated you from the rest of community. So those who had any form of leprosy were basically just disenfranchised. They were set outside the camp. They were not allowed to interact with other people. So Jesus heals someone with leprosy, it's a big deal that's going to spread really fast. I mean, I'm sure after that happened, everybody got on their Twitter account and Facebook account and news was spreading quickly. Here's someone that can heal leprosy, the very thing that no one's allowed to touch or interact with. What does Jesus say to the man who had leprosy? Go and show yourself to the priest. Why? Why not, hey, just go and tell everyone? Well, Jesus is trying to give the leaders in the church, the religious people, a sign that he's arrived. So Jesus wants them to, to follow the law that Moses had given as a sign that the kingdom has come in full, that he's arrived. Well, he, the guy doesn't do that. He just goes and it's obvious and now the news is spreading about him. That hey, there's a healer amongst us, so everybody's bringing the people. And these friends of a man who's paralyzed get the news. Hey, let's go bring our friend to get some healing. So we see in verse 18 in chapter 5, it says, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Now to be paralyzed in that culture was a serious issue because there's no wheelchairs in the sense as we know wheelchairs today. So they lived basically on a mat or on something that other people would carry them. So they were completely dependent upon others. They were in a no-win situation. And anyone in that culture would say, yes, if anyone needs healing, it's this paralyzed person. So friends, bring this man to Jesus. And they want this man to be healed. And we all know the story. They they open up the roof. They lower him in front of Jesus. And then what does Jesus do next? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It's hard to replicate this and, and to show the amount of shock that would be with us by what Jesus says here. What Jesus says here is He says to this man, I am God, and you're no longer guilty of your sin. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, He's making a radical claim. And we see what the claim is by the response of the religious leaders. Notice in verse 21, the religious leaders say, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Why is it blasphemy to say your sins are forgiven? It's blasphemy. It's a curse against God because only God can forgive sin. Only God can say, hey, you're no longer guilty. So what Jesus is doing is Jesus is claiming to be fully divine. He's claiming to have all authority. And so then, of course, the religious leaders are not excited about this, that someone's claiming to be God. And so Jesus challenges them and says, okay, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? Well, anyone can walk around saying your sins are forgiven. People can say it, but do they have the authority to actually do it is another thing. So to prove he has the authority, what does he do? Get up and go. Because not everyone can find a paralyzed person and say, Get up and walk. Why does Jesus heal the person? He heals the person, as it says here in verse 24, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The healing is a sign. It's pointing to a greater reality. The healing is pointing to the fact that Jesus has full authority and full power to forgive sins. Was the physical problem that this man was facing serious? Absolutely, yes. But in comparison to the greater problem of sin, it does not compare. Our physical hurts are serious, yet our spiritual well-being is much more serious. You see, our, our physical hurt. Our physical pain only exists for a moment, for the moment of our life. The question is, do we get healed spiritually so that we can experience eternal life? We heard in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning from the Apostle Paul that outwardly they are wasting away that they are groaning in their life as living in this tent of the human body. But inwardly, they're being renewed day by day. Because the Apostle Paul realized that eternity is much more significant than just momentary healing for the here and now. The momentary healing that Jesus brings is fabulous and and should not be downplayed. But in comparison, it's nothing to the eternal healing that Jesus brings through the forgiveness of sins. You see, the healing that Jesus brings points to a greater need in all of us. The need for some R&R. Everybody here this morning has a great need for R&R. And I'm not talking about relaxation and rejuvenation. The R&R that you and I need today and that Jesus shows in this story is that we need release, and restoration. You see, that's what the forgiveness of sins is. The forgiveness of sins is to be released from a debt and to be restored to relationship. Jesus is saying to this man, hey, your greatest need is R&R. You need to be released from your debt and your guilt, and you need to be restored to relationship with your Creator. And this is what forgiveness does, is it releases us from the debt that we have to God, and it restores us to relationship with God. That's what forgiveness is supposed to do when we extend it to one another. When we do something wrong to someone else, what's the normal response we have? I'll make it up to you in some way. So there's this debt, right? There's this outstanding thing that we must do. Well, when forgiveness is extended, we're basically saying, hey, you don't need to make anything up. You're released of that debt. And then, the goal of that forgiveness is that there's restoration. I'm releasing of you of that debt so that we, our friendship can be restored. This is what Jesus is in the business of doing. Jesus is in the business of extending forgiveness. Jesus is in the business of bringing R&R, release and restoration. The question for us is, are we in the exact same business as Jesus if we claim the name of Jesus if we say we are a Christian church a church that's based around Christ are we in the business of extending the forgiveness of sins this is the business that Jesus is in what does a mechanic do fixes cars what does a mail person do delivers mail what does a baker do bakes brownies without nuts Right? We all know that. That's what they do. That's who they are. They are mechanics. They are bakers. They fix things. They bake things. What's Jesus? Jesus is a Savior. He forgives. When you get Jesus, you get forgiveness. It's who He is, it's what He does. How many of you have a crazy cousin, Eddie? You're going to need some forgiveness this morning, many of you. Think. How many of you are the crazy cousin, Eddie? Think. Think. Remember the first time you were bringing home the significant other and you're thinking, oh, I hope Eddie is not there this weekend. Why do you hope Eddie is not there? Because you already know what Eddie is going to do. Right? It's because that's what crazy Eddie does. It's because that's who Crazy Eddie is. We know what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to extend forgiveness. Why? Because that is who Jesus is. He's a Savior. What does Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is in the business of extending forgiveness forgiveness because Jesus has all authority because Jesus is God. There's two issues this morning that we have to dive into a little bit. The first issue is this, and that's the identity of Jesus. Jesus is extending forgiveness because he has the authority to extend forgiveness. Therefore, Jesus is claiming to be God. The question for you and I this morning is this, is Jesus an authority In your life? Is Jesus an authoritative person in your life? What does your life say about the identity of Jesus? What does our church's mission say about the identity of Jesus? Have you ever had an opportunity to maybe show up somewhere and everybody's making a big deal about the next person that's about to come? The next person that's about to come must be a big deal because everybody's cleaning everything, everybody's getting everything in just the right spot, and everybody's talking about it. And then when that person comes, what happens? All attention shifts to that person. And then what? All conversation revolves around that person. And when that person speaks, what happens? Things get done. We know what it means to have ourselves revolve around someone who means something to us. Do our lives reflect that Jesus means anything to us? Do our lives reflect the identity of Jesus, that Jesus has all authority and all power, that Jesus is God? Or do our lives say that Jesus is a good teacher with some nice ideas, that can help us along the way. Jesus does not get in trouble for doing good things. Do you think the people were upset that He healed the paralyzed man? Nobody's like, hey, stone him. Get him out of here. He just healed someone. More people are coming. What gets Jesus in trouble? The proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. It's because He's making a claim to be God this is what gets Jesus in trouble what gets Christians in trouble nobody ever gets upset right when the Christians say hey let's give hundred thousand dollars to the local food pantry right there's never a letter to the editor that says hey we should return all of the Christian money that's given away to help those in need doing good never gets us in trouble or causes people to get excited what gets us in trouble When we proclaim the name of Jesus. That only through Jesus there is the forgiveness of sins. That's when people start, whoa, slow down. People respond the exact same way today when we proclaim Jesus to the exact same way they responded when Jesus proclaimed himself. Hostility. Because there's a radical claim in what we are proclaiming. And that radical claim is that Jesus is God. And that only through Jesus can we have the forgiveness of sins. Only through Jesus can we arrive at our desired destination. That's a radical claim to say the only way we can arrive at the desired destination is through Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here in the story today. He's saying, hey, I got the power, I got the authority. And He proves it by healing the man who is paralyzed. What do our lives say about the identity of Jesus. How do you respond when Jesus gives a command in his word? Do you respond with a, at your word? Or do you respond with a, well that's a good idea Jesus but that's maybe a little too hard or a little too radical. If our lives reflect the appropriate identity, we respond by saying, Jesus, at your word. Why? Because Jesus has all authority and all power. For Jesus himself is God. So Jesus is God. He's making a radical claim. And if our lives are going to reflect this claim, the question then becomes is, what do our lives become about? Well, if Jesus was in the business of proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, If Jesus was in the business of bringing release and restoration, we have to be in the exact same business. I would ask this morning grab your Bibles. I just want to go to a couple of verses here that are important to help us understand the implication for our lives. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24, the end of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 47. Luke 24 verse 47. This is Jesus preaching right before He he ascends to heaven. This is one of Jesus' final messages. Luke 24, verse 47. So Jesus is giving the marching order to His followers. So we're catching it in the middle here. I'm just taking a sentence out here where Jesus is saying, hey, I'm king now. This is what I want you to do. Jesus says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So what does Jesus want done? Jesus wants his disciples to now go forth and proclaim the forgiveness of sins. He now wants his disciples to do the exact same thing, to declare that people need to be released from this guilt, from the debt, and be restored to relationship with God. Now, turn with me to John chapter 20. Now, Jesus elevates it and and shows the true power and authority the church has. John chapter 20. John 20, verse 23. John 20, verse 23. We're in a very similar situation here. Jesus is meeting with his disciples after the resurrection. And he's kind of giving them a foreshadow of what he's going to do. John 20, verse 23, he says to him, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We skim over this quite a bit in the church. We we like the first part of this passage where Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send you out. Well, this tells us what he's sending us out to do. He's sending us out to what? Forgive the sins of any. But also notice the second part. To withhold forgiveness from any. What's Jesus doing here? Jesus is saying in very simple sense, I'm giving you the keys to the car. Or in real churchy language, here are the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom are the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. And who is Jesus giving these keys to? The church. He's saying to his followers, hey, here, go and proclaim the forgiveness of sins. It's now your responsibility because you bear my name. This is what the church does. The church carries on the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is to forgive sins. The mission of the church is not to gather as a nice little club and throw birthday parties. The mission of the church is to find people that need to be forgiven and extend the forgiveness of Christ to them. This is what we do. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. We're looking at the very end of a sermon that Peter gives. We could spend a lot of time going to a bunch of verses in Acts and other places of sermons, but let's look at this one. Acts 10, verse 43. Acts 10, verse 43 Jesus I mean Peter just finished giving a nice summation about Jesus and that his death and his resurrection, and now he finishes it in verse 43. He says to him, "All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name." So Peter tells the story about Jesus, the death and the resurrection, and Then he finishes by saying, "You receive the forgiveness of sins in Christ." Why? Because this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus' messages accomplish. The forgiveness of sins. Jesus was in the business of proclaiming forgiveness. Now you and I who bear His name are also in the business of proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. Now proclaiming this message of forgiveness is what? A double-edged sword. Because if I come up to you today and I said, hey, Franklin, you know what? I forgive you for what you said to me last week. What am I implying when I say that? I'm implying that you said something to me. I'm saying, hey, you did something wrong. If you didn't do anything wrong, why would I say you're forgiven? When we are proclaiming the forgiveness of sins in Christ, we're making a proclamation. That proclamation is this. You have done something wrong. And you need forgiveness. Well, how does that message sell? It doesn't sell well to tell people what? You do wrong. But when we're proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, we're proclaiming that people need the forgiveness of sins. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was going out with the message saying, Repent and believe. Why? Because they were doing something wrong, they needed the forgiveness. This morning, we hear a story, a very familiar story about Jesus. It's a story, though, that's a sign. It's a sign that points to the authority and the power of Jesus, that Jesus is the one who can forgive our sins. Jesus is the one who can deliver us to our destination. That destination is the kingdom of God. The question for you and I today is pretty simple how are you doing today? I mean that. How are you doing today? I know what the right answer is, right? I mean, I know what the answer is that I receive in the stairs every day. I know what the answer is that I, received in the, I receive in the church gathering area every Sunday. Good. But we all know the real answer. We all know that we do not have it all together. We all know the real answer, that we have not met our, even our own expectations. How are you doing today? The real answer is, not that great. Falling short a little bit. But the real Jesus brings us really good news. And that really good news is this. You are released from your debt you are released from your guilt and you are restored to relationship with God. So you're not doing so well today. Then you're right where you need to be. Because what you need to hear today is that in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. That in Christ, you are released and you are restored. Maybe today you're doing good. And that's great. Today you are good because you have been released and you have been restored. Well, you know what you need to do today? Go out and share it. The keys that Jesus has given us are not for us. They're for other people. If you're doing good today, what? Go and share it so that others can be doing good as well. What happens when something good happens to you? You always share it. and everything in our lives, we're always sharing stuff, right? With stuff that we like, stuff that we enjoy, we share it. Well, this morning, if you've experienced a little R&R, if you've been released and you've been restored, why not share it? The very best thing that can happen today in our marriages, the very best thing that can happen today in our workplaces, The very best thing that can happen today in our relationships with one another is that we would share with one another what Jesus has shared with us. Forgiveness. The keys to the kingdom is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ alone. The keys to a luxurious life is forgiveness to one another. Don't miss the destination because you miss the sign. Don't miss the destination because you just get obsessed with the sign. Rather, let the sign point you to the one, Jesus, who can bring you to the ultimate destination, the kingdom of God. Today is the day to get some R&R, to be released and to be restored. Today is the day to give some R&R. Release someone and restore relationship with them. Go forth and enjoy a holiday weekend. Enjoy some time of R&R. But you can't really enjoy that rest and rejuvenation until you get some release and restoration from Jesus Himself. I invite you today to believe in Jesus and receive some R&R. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks today for the forgiveness of our sins. At this time, Lord, I come before you pleading for your mercy and your grace, that you would give each heart in this room the gift of faith. Grant us the ability to trust in Jesus. And Lord, today we ask that you grant us the ability to live a life of repentance. Lord, today I ask that you would bring each person in this room release from guilt release from debt, and restoration to relationship. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the mercy extended to us. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.